0: Well, welcome to Current Yield, Grant's Interest Rate Observer of the Air. I am Jim Grant, and with me, as always, is the great deputy editor of Grant's, Evan Lorenz. Good afternoon, Evan. Good afternoon. Yeah. So I am calling in from uh, Schoharie, New York, which is uh, 35 miles or so west of Albany, and about as many east of Cooperstown, New York, uh, home of the Baseball Hall of Fame, and of the Glimmerglass Opera. And uh, let's see, what other... Advertising things we may Oh, yes. This uh, podcast is brought to you by, as always in this difficult time of pandemic, by Love and Youth in Spring and by the October 19th Fall Grants Conference. Evan, I think it's going to be a fabulous conference. And if people don't get their tickets today, there might not be any seats left. That's my vision. I
1: don't know. I agree. Hot destinations are selling out fast. People should uh, buy now. Yeah
0: and uh, also oh, we have a third sponsor whose name is John Delberto. John is our telephone sales agent and ladies and gentlemen when he calls you to subscribe to grants would you please say yes? It will make his day. He asked me to mention that. Um but we have a guest today. It's not just Evan and uh, and Jim, you know, complaining about the markets. We have with us Paul Brodsky. And Paul is um is a man of parts on Wall Street. I knew him Uh, way back when, when he was uh, focused on the gold market. And the two of us had lunch late 2016 or early 2017. We had lunch in Harry's Wall Street, way, way downtown, lower Manhattan. And I blame the acoustics in Harry's, which were horrific, for my failure to pick up on what turned out to be a magnificent business opportunity that Paul was only too happy to lay at my feet. And would I listen? I tried to. I couldn't hear it. Paul was telling you about uh, the coming thing in the cryptocurrencies, and Bitcoin in particular. He was going to go off and participate in this coming thing. And um, so time passed as it has wont to do, and Bitcoin has it up, had it up and down. So it had a, a great up and then a, a rather striking down in the crypto winter of 2018. But I want to read you something that Paul Brodsky wrote around September 12th or so of 2018 bitcoin was then trading at about $6300 per whatever it is. What is it? Oh, we'll find out. Anyway, it was $6300 per and I see today it's at $63,000 per, which is uh that's up um, from from 6300. Okay, so here's what Paul wrote. He wrote, he wrote um, um, most strikingly, he said that the thing to do with bitcoin is not is not to focus uh in your compulsive left brain about uh, what the discounted future cash flows might or might not be. The thing about paradigm shifts is that um, uh, what counts is adoption, not visible value or something else. It's, it's That is what drives paradigm shifts. And he quoted uh, Supreme Court Justice, uh, Uh, Justice Potter Stewart saying that, you know, famously, as Potter Stewart said with respect to pornography, I know it when I see it. And what Paul knew is what he saw, which says that uh, Bitcoin was going to be a thing. So with that somewhat prolix introduction, uh, Paul Brodsky, welcome.
2: Well, thank you. It's great.
0: It's a great
2: honor to be here always. And
0: uh, even even
2: if it weren't a podcast, Jen, it's it's always a pleasure <laughs> to speak with you. I learned so much just from spending a couple of minutes with you. Yeah. And, and and about that and about that comment, what they what do they say about even blind squirrels find nuts every now and then. Well Let's we'll, talk we'll see if that will. uh you yeah. know, I can't take a ten uh your money uh credit every day, so uh I'll put it in my pocket, but uh, happy to move on.
0: Because, okay, so uh, yeah. Paul now is the uh, chief cook bottle washer of something called uh, Postmodern Partners. Now, this, Paul, I've got to confess, this is a little difficult for me. I'm not so keen on modernism. Now, postmodernism, it sounds, well, <laughs> but anyway, so it, it, we're not going to talk about it up tenfold, but we will mention that as of the March reporting date, uh, Postmodern Partners was up um, between 31 and 32 percent. But, Paul, what I like most about the many things I like about you and Postmodern Partners is that uh, you are no more a fat fiat cat than you are a crypto nut. Those two extremes were featured in the aforementioned uh, essay of September 2018. You are a markets guy, right, who sees excess as uh, Justice Uh, Potter Stewart would have us see it. You know it when you see it. And I want you to tell our listeners how you see this crypto world now. It seems uh, as if it is going to heaven. Well,
2: I think there is certainly the pain trade is still higher.
0: Um,
2: And by that, I mean, in all likelihood, cryptocurrencies led by Bitcoin are generally going to go up over time, in my opinion, because there is just a paucity of uh, investors that potentially could get in, and uh, there's a lot of uh, billions probably to access the market. Um, If we fall back on, and please interrupt me because, uh, you know, if I I go into a place that that doesn't strike your fancy, but if we go into valuation, and that's always a dangerous thing to do when it comes to cryptocurrencies, but we we, we start to talk about valuation uh, or metric even, uh, how we uh, like to value other more traditional asset classes um, It seems to me that bitcoin per se uh, may have a linear return profile in this cycle uh, and so no, no, no. what
0: what is a linear return profile? It sounds uh, bullish, but what no. is it?
2: It can certainly, you know, the price of Bitcoin can certainly go higher, but it can certainly go lower. And this profound, <laughs>
0: profound Okay. on... Uh, okay. Thank I, you very much for being with us today, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: as profound as that is, <laughs> I think it, uh, as, it, as it sits right now, it's 63,000 or so. You know, it can certainly double in this cycle, but it can just as easily... Uh, dropped 50%. Yeah. Uh, and uh. so you're not really investing, in my opinion, of course, in an asset with an asymmetric profile, a return profile to it, which has always been uh, the reason to get into crypto. I think there are uh, other cryptocurrencies in this space that still do have you know, vastly positively asymmetric return profiles uh, to them. And so they make more sense than Bitcoin, but certainly Bitcoin... Well,
0: let, ooh, let let us stop there, Paul. And I would like you, for the benefit of our listeners, to name those. Save the best one for you know, later, and we'll put it in grants so that the paying customers can read it. But give us, give us the pretty good asymmetric return cryptos.
2: Well... Um- uh, okay, I, I'll, I'll give you a few, uh, but what I'd like to do is, is paint a broader picture of uh, the 2,000 or 2,500 or 3,000 frauds and silly cryptocurrencies that are out there that either went to zero or are on their way to zero. They most Many of them came out in 2017 as ICOs, and uh, we all know what happened to them. Um, what remains and, and uh, later ones that have come to market really are more infrastructure-based, meaning they actually will uh, provide investors in the cryptocurrency market with the means to access or to buy, to sell, to lend uh, in what's known as decentralized finance or DeFi, things according, along those lines. Um but what I am focused on for postmodern partners is more infrastructure plays because uh that early time in the cycle when you can buy effectively picks and shovels uh for uh for the
0: crypto market example yeah I, yeah oh sorry Go ahead, um
2: we've all heard of ethereum ether is uh is the largest it's the second largest crypto behind bitcoin, of course, but it has a two hundred billion dollar or higher uh market cap so it's significant uh and it is the leading candidate to uh allow developers of smart contract cryptocurrencies to develop their use cases and applications and distribute them to uh to users we can get into that they face uh, ethereum faces a number of hurdles uh to get the technology right And so it's not yet ready for prime time. Uh, one of the big ones for, for Ether, which is the crypto of Ethereum, and the others, uh, is that, uh, all of this stuff, all of these cryptocurrencies don't yet work at scale. Meaning you can, you can walk into a Starbucks and you can even these days swipe your smartphone and, and uh, buy a latte with your Visa card and a QR code. You can't do that yet uh, with a cryptocurrency. And the reason is because on a blockchain, the last block has to be immutable. It cannot change. That's opposed to a uh, fiat credit-based currency system where everything is done on credit and what they're doing when you swipe your card or your smartphone at Starbucks is they're taking your account information. If you don't pay or you don't have enough money in your account to pay for your latte, well, it's bad, bad on them, but their 21% interest rate will probably make up for that. No one, No one really cares. That can't happen on a blockchain because there's no intermediary. There's no banking system, uh, and so everything has to be immutable, all the data on the last block. So it comes up the works, and that's why transactions per second, TPS, which is the metric by which this technology is judged, is much, much slower than a Visa or MasterCard payment rail they will do 20,000 or so transactions per second. Bitcoin or Ether payment rails uh, would do 7 or 16 or 20, and now it's getting up into the hundreds, but it's still not ready for prime time. So there's a lot of wood to chop for many of these cryptocurrencies to be able to compete on a transactional basis.
0: With either, yeah. Yeah, Isn't, Evan, don't, don't you haven't you quoted some figures with respect to Visa?
1: Yeah. <clears throat> so a single Bitcoin transaction consumes the same amount of power as nine hundred and sixty-six thousand two hundred and two Visa transactions. And in terms of speed of um of processing, in late March, Elon Musk allowed um, Tesla buyers to uh, use uh, Bitcoin to actually put down a deposit for like you know a Model Y or a Model Three. Uh, I'm going to quote a tweet from March twenty ninth. Elon Musk. Um, Thought I'd be hip and pay my Model Y deposit in BTC, but my crypto app took longer than Tesla's half-hour window to send. Now the BTC seems lost, and no one is able to help. Yeah. Well, nightmare.
2: Yeah. It's not. Well, uh, it's, yeah. It's clearly, on on a number of different levels, it's not yet ready for transactions.
0: Who would? T- you mean, one of the tests of uh, of the functionality of a currency, of course, is is the is the uh, willingness of people to. Uh, to spend it and to borrow and to lend it. I'm still waiting for the first volunteer to take out a Bitcoin mortgage. <laughs> it does. Uh, yes, uh, sir, it seems that uh, your mortgage, which you took out unwisely, as, uh, as Paul Brodsky was uh, telling you what the future would bring, that mortgage at $6,200 Bitcoin, is now you owe 10 times as much, and would you please uh, pay the coupons? So how do we, Paul, how do we, in a more serious way, how do we deal with the seemingly inherent, or is it inherent, volatility of Bitcoin and the clunkiness of the transactions function, how do we think about those things in the context of a useful currency? Oh, it's
2: not a useful currency yet. So we can't yet think of it as a useful currency. I think what is going on today is uh, the cryptocurrency market is in the process of capitalizing itself. And it's doing so on the basis of speculation. Obviously, it's just being driven by demand. Bitcoin, as the first, been around, what, 11 years now, something like that, 12 years, uh, coming up on 12 years, uh, it it was the first, and it already has experienced its network effect. Depending on who you listen to, it has anywhere from 75 to 100 million holders around the world, And its use case is not as a transactional currency, but it has become digital gold in the minds of its holders. Well,
0: isn't
2: it? it, Yeah, sorry. Well, well, what I was going to say was, uh, you know, Jim, you and I have been, uh, are intimately familiar with uh, gold and what it is and what it was and, and what it's been relegated to today. Um, and a digital gold doesn't have to prove itself to anyone except th- those that believe in it. And clearly, Bitcoin already has its faithful. So all it takes is confidence that it will continue, its store of value will continue to rise. And many of them hope that it's at a very volatile, you know, that it's very volatile, not boring, uh, yeah. because they are not looking, at bitcoin specifically uh to be a transactional currency it may no. develop into that down the road mm-hmm. but it's nowhere near at equilibrium where it gets to be a boring uh currency
0: you know it's uh, um, i would submit Paul that the bitcoin's uh base case is going up that's its functionality and that it's in it's a, the value guys um like to use this phrase, intrinsic value, which is, I guess, uh, means that value outside the market price. But isn't Bitcoin's intrinsic value identical to its market price? In that, it has become one of the great speculations of the uh, still young 21st century.
2: I don't think it's any more. I think its intrinsic value is no more or less than any other asset that doesn't generate revenue and, and earnings. Okay. Such as the dollar, such as gold, and, and so yeah, it's just based on where supply meets uh, meets demand. Right. Um, if you were to go into the dollar, and I don't, I don't think this is a very tough sell for you and, and maybe the majority of your audience. If you were to look at the intrinsic value of the dollar, you'd say, well, that's okay. If there's a uh, hundred, depending on how one counts, there's seventy-five trillion or or, or more of dollar-denominated debt here and around the world uh, based off of a $3 trillion annual revenue that the treasury receives. Um, so it's, uh, it, it looks overvalued on that intrinsic value uh, right. a, a calculation too. So uh, we can tie ourselves in knots, I think by, by trying to look at intrinsic value on a currency sure, or, to or any sure. asset, but, but uh, and, 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 you know, I'm, I'm I, I wouldn't defend intrinsic value in, uh, in Bitcoin, other than to say it is what people want it to be, just like the dollar, just like
0: gold. You know, um, uh, you might not you, you, you remember, I'm not sure if every listener knows that uh, in February, Grant said a long piece about Bitcoin, quite bearish, quite skeptical. And uh, the headline was uh, Bitcoin goes to Wall Street. And it was about the uh, the financialization of the domestication of Bitcoin. And, um, and uh, you know, he said, said it was a bubble. And, and you wrote, uh, uh, as is your want, a very uh, thoughtful and civil email saying that, uh, how much you enjoyed this. And you added that, uh, with respect to the bubble, you said, um, actually, I can, in effect, I can think of a bubble perhaps even bigger. Uh, which is uh, you enumerated some of the financial bubbles that uh, have been sponsored by, or at least our central bank has been complicit in, if not as actively sponsored as we, for example, sponsor the Autumn 2019 Grants Fall Conference. Um, But, uh, you know, um, apropos of that, I would like to read for Evan and for you and uh, for the listeners a comment attributed to Chair Powell yesterday with respect to Bitcoin. He was asked about it. And uh, he said, uh, uh, quote, says the Financial Times, quoting him, uh, no one is saying that it's um, bad for payments, uh, for payments, for example, um, like the dollar, uh, the bitcoins. And he, goes, so he said, and they said, quote, it's a little bit like gold, close quote. And I think that's a great way of getting everyone mad at J-PAL. You know, the gold guys are mad at Bitcoin because it's stealing all their thunder. And... Um, and now the gold guys and the Bitcoin people can find common cause again in this fellow who seems not to realize that it is the good part, the actions of his institution that have driven the masses into uh, alternatives, no? Um, I, well, I think
2: what, what I've been, uh, you know, I clearly was a uh, a gold bug from 2000, maybe it's not so clear, but I I was from 2000 uh, through, I still own gold today, actually, uh, and did a a lot of writing on it and uh, invested in it uh, professionally uh, for a long, long time. Um, So I'm very sympathetic to the gold story. I think that one of the things that we have to, to realize is that all this thing is, is, you know all this whole cryptocurrency thing is is an extension of the internet. it is software and if the cryptography and I'm not a technologist, but I understand if the if the uh cryptography is sound and the custody is okay uh it is another bearer asset like gold uh like bullion uh that you can store and that other central banks continue on their merry way uh, and diluting the purchasing power of the dollar, then both should rise. And as long as Bitcoin is uh, a bit more nascent than the 5,000-year-old gold is, uh, then it should probably rise more than gold, but they should both benefit. The fact that uh, Jay Powell doesn't or won't acknowledge the Fed's role in creating the diminution of the purchasing power of his currency should be nothing new uh, to anyone. Where I was disappointed for many years and remain disappointed is that uh, people don't seem to care. Yeah. Investors don't care. Uh, consumers don't care. Savers don't care. And that's because I think there's a very cynical and, frankly, effective a uh, process that has been going on for at least uh, since the financial crisis in 2008 and uh its reaction in 2009 where all you have to do is give savers a better return than than consumer inflation and no one will uh, be the wiser it's terribly it's terribly uh wrong in my opinion
0: uh okay but let me let but, me with respect with respect to uh uh, the appeal of Bitcoin uh, as a uh, as a monetary alternative, as a, not so much as a hedge against uh, monetary disorder, but an investment in monetary disorder. I would I want to direct your attention, Paul, and your attention, Evan, and your attention, listeners, to remarks made at uh, a congressional hearing just the other day by a guy named Michael Morell, not a guy like Mister Michael Morell, who is a former acting head of the CIA and um, mister morell was commissioned uh by uh some uh cryptocurrency innovators and investors to investigate uh the contention that uh, bitcoin is uh is kind of a is, is criminal script that it uh, is still principally uses to like uh, buy that surface to air missile you couldn't buy at Amazon you know you get that in the dark web so Michael morell testifies that no that um, whole narrative of, uh, of uh, Bitcoin being the, uh, the criminal's uh, favorite monetary brand that's all wrong. that's much, much inflated. But here's what he did say. He's, he quoted uh, his uh, contacts in the surveillance and the national security line of work saying, quote "It is easier for law enforcement to trace illicit activity using Bitcoin than it is to trace mass cross-border illegal activity using traditional banking transactions." and uh, far easier than cash transactions. And he goes on to say this. This is this from a, an article on which his testimony was based. One expert told us the chance of catching illicit actors is magnitudes greater using blockchain than the traditional banking uh, sector. Any anywhere, Another uh, went so far as to say that if, quote, all criminals use blockchain, we could wipe out illicit financial activity, close quote. So my question to you is, given that One of the great selling points of Bitcoin was anonymity, blockchain, anonymity. It seems as if uh, the national security apparatus can see right in. So it's like having your divorce bonds, as bearer bonds used to be called, in a safe deposit box. But the feds have the number of the box. So what exactly is the appeal of the blockchain for those who would prefer to transact anonymously?
2: I don't think that... uh... The great, great majority of holders today care about anonymity at all. Um, most are accessing crypto platforms that uh, that have uh, AML KYC, you know, know your customer laws, and that are reporting to regulatory agencies around the world. And the there, while there may be some remaining bad criminals that want want the authorities to be able to trace them. Their actions on on the blockchain. Um, I don't think that's really the appeal and, and where this is going. There's still nothing better than a bag of cash for for an illicit transaction, and and so I don't think really the appeal or the success or failure of, uh, of blockchains and cryptocurrencies are, are you know are going to have anything to do with anonymity
1: at all. Paul, could I ask you a question on the plumbing of cryptocurrencies? Sure. So. Well, Ether and uh, Bitcoin are the biggest um, cryptocurrencies by market cap. They're not the most traded cryptocurrencies. That's, in fact, Tether, which is uh, supposedly backed one for one with dollars. Um, there's been a lot of skepticism about it, and they recently had a settlement with the New York Attorney General. And in that agreement, they, they seem to have some alarming attacks about Tether not always being backed by dollars, also moving money to and from accounts and to sister companies. Is Tether something that people should be worried about?
2: other is something that I or my and, and my former uh, uh firm where I was a partner at Pantera Capital never dealt with. Um we didn't know it. There are other but a lot of, we couldn't get to the bottom of uh of the balance sheet uh and uh didn't understand it, shall we say. And so uh, you know, they could be totally fine, but there are other stable coins out there that uh that have a better chance of and and more transparent – uh that have a better chance of um maintaining that dollar peg if that's what you're you're looking for and by the way, for those that that aren't familiar with why there needs to be a stable coin it's just for for what uh what Jim was talking about earlier, which is uh the fact that you don't want to pay ten thousand dollars. Uh, for a couple of pieces down the road because your currency goes up, uh, you know, 10 times or 100 times or 500 times. Uh, so it's for transactions. Uh, you convert your crypto at a dollar rate and it'll stay at a dollar rate. So that's uh, that's pretty much what that's all about.
0: Paul, well, you go long and short, some of these crypto names. You'd be long or short Coinbase? Uh, neutral,
2: but... Uh, you know, I think it's I, – I haven't done a deep dive, to be honest, into its, uh, you know, into its balance sheet income statement. And, frankly, it's way too uh, early. Uh, what you said before about scaling, uh, the, the first thing you, you described about adoption, there will be plenty of adoption, so it's really tough to put a valuation metric on it. As it is a uh, smaller new tech stock uh, or fintech stock uh, that
0: uh, – Proposes okay the scale so okay. um how about how that uh, micro strategy long or short uh
2: i i uh dislike uh micro strategy. I have been shorted against a long bitcoin position uh it's worked out for me sometimes you can take advantage of uh bullion in the equity market, and certainly that was the case. Uh, And maybe still when you have investors using common stock as a proxy for Bitcoin because it's the only thing they can access. And so um, I'm not a fan of microstrategy.
1: What are your thoughts about Grayscale Bitcoin Trust uh, discount to NAV, which is now I think around 10%. It seems like a pretty commanding discount if Bitcoin is still going up.
2: Um, It could be telling, but it may not necessarily be, be... uh, telling of sentiment, and the reason is because grayscale uh, opens and closes its window, and so it's tough to get a handle on that. Obviously, when it traded for years and years at a thirty to fifty percent premium, it was a head scratcher. It recently went down to a discount, as you point out, and probably the reason has a lot to do with competition. Uh, MicroStrategy, when it came along and became a proxy, you know that that was obvious competition, and there are going to be others, and there are, now advertising on CNBC. Uh, Osprey, I think, is one. So there's there's, uh, there's good reason to see it. Um, one has to be pretty familiar with fees also when you're looking at gaining exposure, long only exposure to one asset. Uh, and so I think that if and when there is a Bitcoin ETF, uh, the entire the complexity of, uh, of, of, of the cryptocurrency market uh, will, will shift dramatically. Uh,
0: Paul, finally, um, Judge Potter Stewart said that uh, you know it when you see it. Could this be a bubble, this whole thing, be one big bubble? Yes,
2: uh, but it could certainly absolutely be a bubble. I don't think Bitcoin as digital gold can go to zero unless they shut off the Internet or unless they raise taxes on Bitcoin uh, around the world to be some you know seventy or eighty uh, percent of 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 uh, of gains or something like that, uh, or they make it illegal. But in the context of uh, other bubbles, like uh, the dollar bubble or the global credit bubble or the mass financial ignorance bubble that we talked about before, um, it seems to be a small bubble. So. I don't know if it's un- any more unsustainable than the combination of uh, an unanchored, flexible exchange rate global monetary system and going along with negative real interest rates.
0: Now, there's there's your concave bubble.
2: <laughs> and inflation targeting and MMT and and saving in market-priced assets. I mean, all of that seemed at least as ridiculous <laughs> to me as – you know, trying to store your money in software rather than uh, or at least diversify it into into software that is in the process of capitalizing itself and may someday actually bypass a lot of the banking system verticals that we've come to know and love. Uh, that's the promise of it, and it's a speculation. But if it works, it can really scale from here.
0: Yeah. Well, Paul, Paul Brodsky, what a pleasure it is to be with you on this uh, podcast. Uh, and uh, best of luck to you and to Postmodern Partners. Although I'm, I think, by the record, you don't need much luck. Just just keep on, you know, just keep on keeping on.
2: No, um, thank you very much, Jim and Evan. I appreciate your time, and it always takes luck. So. <laughs>
0: Thank well, you. then here's to luck, and uh, here's, to you. here's to you, listeners. Uh, we will be with you again on Current Yield Grants, Interest Rate Observer of the Air.